0: Today, Matthew's Gospel, 15, beginning with verse 21. May the Lord bless the reading and exposition of His Word. This is the Word of God. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon." But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, "'Send her away, for she is crying out after us.' He answered, "'I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel.' But she came and knelt before him, saying, "'Lord, help me.' And he answered, "'It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs.' She said, "'Yes, Lord.' Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This wonderful narrative before us this morning can best be understood if we remember what went before last week. For there we saw a controversy surrounding the Pharisees' view of externals and formality. They believe that it was what was taken into a man that defiled him. Jesus pointed to the heart. It's what comes out of the heart that defiles a man. The Pharisees, of course, belong to the covenant people of God, at least visibly, and they were teachers of the law, but they take offense at the Lord Jesus Christ. They miss the whole point of the scriptures, which is to point to Jesus and his redemption. This woman, however, is from a pagan land, She submitted to Jesus and she believed in him. She was outside and yet she came in. Jesus addressed ritual purity in the prior passage. And here he responds to a woman with whom to to deal would mean ritual impurity. He responds to a woman in need in a pagan land. And it all points to Jesus' ultimate mission in this world. Now as we come to the text, the first thing that we see is this a Gentile woman pleads with Jesus. Verses 21 and 22. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Now there's something extraordinary here because in verse 22, there's this little Greek word, "idu" that is translated, Behold, by Matthew. In other words, Matthew is saying, this is something really to take note of. This is something special. This is something different. Jesus is dealing with a Gentile woman, and she was from the region of Tyre and Sidon on the Mediterranean coast, and she is specifically called a Canaanite woman, which means that she was a descendant of the enemies of the people of God. These are the ones that the children of Israel were called upon to exterminate when they came into the land of Canaan. Now let us never think that any district is too depraved, that any people is too fallen, that any person is beyond the reach of the mercy of God. Jesus came to redeem sinners, and this woman is a sinner in need of grace contact with her would bring ritual uncleanness and impurity, and the text stresses the non-Jewish Gentile pagan setting in a gospel that is addressed primarily to Jews. Her daughter is demon-possessed, and the text is very sparse. What would this have meant for her and for her family? Well, we don't exactly know. But looking at other passages that deal with demon-possession, it would entail undoubtedly illness, The girl would from time to time be totally uncontrollable. It meant for her a loss of personhood in essence. And so this Gentile woman cried for mercy and for her daughter. Can't you hear the pathos in her voice? Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. With utter respect she comes to the Lord. O Lord, son of David, she has... Remarkably, a certain understanding of who he is. She calls him Lord. She calls him Son of David. That means that she, this pagan woman, had an understanding that he was the Messiah, the one that was promised in the sacred scriptures that would come to redeem his people. And so she comes in grief, anguish, with respect and dependence, but also by faith she seems to understand something of who Jesus is as the Savior of the world, that she, a Gentile pagan woman, may come to Jesus Christ. Now, that's what we first see. Moving along, secondly, we see Jesus calling this Gentile woman to faith in himself. Now, it doesn't strike us this way as we move along, Immediately, it doesn't strike us that way at all. It seems as if Jesus is doing quite the opposite, that he is brushing her off, that he wants nothing to do with her, that he is not calling her to faith in himself. Jesus is uncharacteristically harsh. He didn't answer her. Verse 23, after she comes pathetically before him, the text says he did not answer her a word. And Jesus' disciples did not want her To come and to bother them. They felt bothered by this woman's persistent cries. It's a present tense. She was crying over and over and over again to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the disciples say in verse 23, send her away for she is crying out after us. She would not close her mouth. That's love. That's true faith. True faith always persists. She wouldn't be quiet. I think it's a remarkable thing actually to see the The disciples saying, this woman is crying after us. This woman is not crying after them. (laughs) This woman is crying after Jesus, the one who can remove the demon from her daughter. She was not pursuing them. She was pursuing the only one who could make things right with her daughter. When Jesus does reply, it is to underscore the exclusivity of Israel in verse 24 when he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It didn't say that Jesus even looks to her. He seems to be responding to the disciples or perhaps just out in the air. Why is this woman here? I'm here for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The woman, however, does not give up. She comes and she kneels and she cries from a mother's agonizing heart as we read in verse 25. Lord, help me. She cries as only a mother can, out of desperation for her little daughter. And Jesus on the surface refuses her Again, verse 26, he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. The children of Israel are called the children of God. The children of Israel, the Israelites, refer to the Gentiles as dogs. He has come to Israel first. The time of blessing upon the Gentiles is not yet Let the children first be fed. The issue is one of precedence. We cannot allow the dogs to carry off the children's bread, Jesus is saying. Now, Jesus was harsh, but he was harsh for a purpose, or perhaps we should say for various purposes. First, it is true that he's underscoring that Israel has the priority that the kingdom must first be proclaimed to Israel. Isn't that what he says also to the woman at the well, that salvation is of the Jews? The time is coming in which people will not, the Jews will not worship alone in, in Jerusalem, but that time is not yet. And so Israel has the priority. But he's doing something far, far deeper and, and much more wonderful here. Calvin puts it this way Jesus intends not to extinguish the woman's faith, but rather to whet her zeal and influence her ardor. You see, Jesus, by seeming to brush her off, is actually drawing her near. The distance that he seems to draw between himself and her is used of the Holy Spirit to draw her more deeply into faith in Christ. Jesus knows what this woman needs, and Jesus knows what you and I need. What sort of responses will build our faith? What sort of circumstances will call us out of ourselves and our self-centeredness and our sin to Jesus Christ? He knows what will call us to faith in Him. And some of these may seem harsh to us as they must have seemed harsh to this Gentile woman. And so, in essence, Jesus is not refusing a sinner, but He is calling a sinner by drawing out the faith with which she has been gifted by the Holy Spirit. Jesus will never refuse a sinner who comes to him in faith. Jesus will never refuse a sinner who comes to him in faith. To refuse a sinner that comes to him in faith would mean that he would deny his own glory. He would deny his own nature, and he would deny his own promise. And that promise is, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let this encourage you, if you have not yet come to faith in Christ, to put your faith in Jesus Christ and for those of us who have to continue to come in faith. And in those circumstances in which we do not understand what God is doing, I can tell you this, people of God, He is using the circumstance in which you now find yourself in order to draw you more deeply into faith in Himself. Thirdly, we see the woman's response. She acknowledges that Jesus is right. She says in verse 27, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yet, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Faith, someone has said, does not dispute. Faith worships. And so she doesn't detract from Israel's priority. For even, she says... In other words, she's acknowledging that Jesus is, of course, absolutely right about this. She doesn't think that she's an exception to the rule. She doesn't argue that election is unfair or that God's choices and priorities are unfair or that God is unjust. She knows that God may dispense His grace as He pleases in His sovereignty. You know, when faithful ministers preach electing grace to assure God's people of His love, it is never to drive away but always to draw near in assurance of faith. And I never encourage an unbeliever to think, well, I guess I'm excluded. No, a thousand times, no. Because the call of the gospel goes forth to sinners as sinners, no matter who you may be. And about election, the unbeliever should think, well, it shows that God is merciful to sinners. He is merciful to any sinner who comes. I am a sinner who comes, and therefore he will receive me. And so she bows to Jesus' crown rights, to dispense His grace as He will, to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel first. She doesn't argue even a right to sit at the table. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table, however. In other words, this woman is saying to Jesus, I am everything that you say that I am. Here is my humble suit. The dogs eat the crumbs at the same time as the children. Let the children be fed. I'm not asking for a loaf. I'm not even asking for a slice. I'm not even asking for the crust. All I'm asking is that as you feed the children, that I might also have the crumbs. And in verse 27, when we read, And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dog's She said, yes, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. The word there is cunaria, which means the little little dogs. It's a diminutive. In other words, I'm just a helpless little dog underneath the table, Lord. That's all I am. But please give me the crumbs. And she understands what even the disciples had not understood at the feeding of the 5,000. And certainly the Pharisees did not understand that Jesus is the bread of life. She understands about bread. She understands about bread because she hungers for bread, even if that bread be only crumbs. How could she understand what the disciples did not? What the Pharisees certainly did not. Let me tell you why. She understood what they did not because faith is born out of need. Faith is born of need. Why is God doing this in my life? Why is this hardship there? Why is God, I'm one of his children. Why is God taking me through this? I will tell you why. Because faith is born and sustained and grows out of a sense of need and dependence upon him. And that's where this woman is. And so, someone here says, I'm unworthy. I feel myself to be the worst of sinners. I know that God owes me nothing. That is a good place to be. Hear the word of the gospel. Paul said in 1 Timothy 1.15, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. You are not beyond the cross of Jesus Christ. No matter who you are, no matter what your sin has been, you are not beyond the redeeming power of Jesus and his own shed blood. But then, fourthly, we see something else here. We see Jesus' boundless authority. It's very encouraging as we come to verse 28. Then Jesus answered her, "'O woman, great is your faith, be it done for you as you desire.'" And her daughter was healed instantly. Jesus is delighted with her response. She believed that Jesus could help her. She believed that Jesus would help her. She believed this even though she had nothing to commend her. Jesus is delighted with her response. Jesus commends her faith in verse 28. God can give strong faith with little knowledge. Faith wins its suit always. All faith is precious, but not all faith is strong. Matthew Henry says it so beautifully, The greatness of faith consists much in a resolute adherence to Jesus Christ as an all-sufficient Savior, even in the face of discouragements, to love Him and trust Him as a friend, even when He seems to come forth against us as an enemy. True faith says, though He slay me, yet will I praise Him. Jesus also grants her request. O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Again, Henry says, Those that will deny Christ nothing shall find that he will deny them nothing at last, though for a time he seems to hide his face from him. When we come, at this, as this poor woman did, to pray against Satan and his kingdom, We concur with the intercession of Christ, and it shall be accordingly. And so Jesus grants her request, and Jesus healed her daughter instantly. When she returned home, the demon was gone. The daughter had no illnesses related to it. Her mind was put right. Her soul was restored. Jesus healed her daughter instantly. The text doesn't tell us, but imagine when this when this Canaanite woman went home and found that Jesus had not only given her the crumbs from the table, but had given her the bread itself. (laughs) Jesus' authority knows no bounds. Obviously, the miracle is performed in such a way that it demonstrates that Jesus' authority knows no limits. He needn't be present to cast out the demon. He needn't speak a word to cast out the demon. He needn't touch the girl to cast out the demon. He simply wills it, and it happens. There's something here about abandoning our certainty and our desire to be in control for his certainty and control. We may come, we may plead, we may ask, but with the woman we must acknowledge, you are in control and may dispense your grace as you will. Now here's a question. Are you willing to believe that Jesus' authority knows no bounds, that he is in sovereign control of all things, even when the end of the story is not what we might plan or what we might want? Terrible illness comes. And you plead to the Lord for healing, and he can heal, but he may for his own reason not heal. And you may go on with pain and with suffering, as did our brother Vince Straubers, Jr., to the glory of God for inscrutable reasons known only to the Lord. You may plead that God restore your broken marriage. And he may do so and often does so in wonderful ways, but what if he doesn't? If he doesn't do so, do you still still know that he's in control? Do you still understand that he's sovereign? Do you still acknowledge he's the Lord? Do you still bow before him in faith? Do you still love him and believe that he loves you? Do you believe that he has boundless authority even when the end of the story is not what we might plan? That is what the text is calling strong faith. That Jesus is in control, that his authority knows no bounds, that he will do what glorifies himself, and that I can have the confidence that he will do what is for the good of his people every time. But we see a fifth thing in this text, and it is that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Now this text is a preliminary indicator that Jesus is the Savior, not of Jews only, but of Gentiles also of the world. It's first indicated in Matthew 2, where we have the visit of the wise men from the east. And then before that, in chapter 1, in which we have Gentiles and women who are members of the genealogy of Jesus. It's indicated there. But now there has come the cross, the blood has been shed, Jesus has been raised from the dead, he has ascended on high, and Gentiles are now called to eat bread, not under the table, but at the table as children. Spurgeon rightly says about this, At bottom, the woman was in reality arguing according to the eternal purpose of God. For what was the Lord's grand design in giving the bread to the children, or in other words, sending a divine revelation to Israel? Why it always was His purpose, that through the children the dogs should get hit the bread, that through Israel the gospel should be handed to the Gentiles. And that's you and me. It was always God's intent that through national Israel, the Gentiles would be brought in. And so the Pharisees, they didn't understand this. they had no faith in Jesus. They didn't understand bread. The Pharisees were out while they were in. And this woman was in while she was out. And now those who once were out are brought in as God builds his new Israel. And so the encouragement is this. You think you're an outcast. You look within your heart and you see the depth of your sin and depravity. The Holy Spirit has shown something to you of your sin and your need. You think that you are an outcast. You're outside the pale. The gospel speaks right to your need in this passage. Here is a woman who is a Gentile, a descendant of the enemies of God and of His people who comes to Jesus in faith. I'm filled with intense belief in the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. And God is even at this moment in this world drawing His own unto Himself throughout the globe. Because in order for Jesus to come and save us, He must go to the cross and bear our sins and take away our uncleanness. The appointed way of knowing Christ is by faith. Why by faith? Because faith is not a work. Because it is not meritorious. Because faith is simply open arms granted to us by the power of the Holy Spirit to embrace Jesus who is freely offered in the gospel. It is by faith because it is not by works. Faith glorifies Him. And so how do I know that I have faith, Pastor? Well, it's really fairly simple. Faith lays hold on Christ alone for salvation. And the gospel says, Matthew eleven twenty eight Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Don't you find that there's remarkable power in these simple little healing narratives and narratives about the casting out of demons? There's nothing here hard to understand. There's nothing here esoteric. It's all very rich, though, and wonderful. Because this same Jesus that came to save this poor, needy, Gentile woman and her daughter has come to save us from our sins. Come, come, come with your sin. Come as you are. Come and welcome to Jesus Christ. Amen.